Welcome to the Motherhood Village Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez-Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. I'm on with a very special guest. I have Mrs. Leslie Ford, who is the CEO and founder of Mom's Hierarchy of Needs. The business provides evidence-based tools for moms to reclaim time from the never-done list for well-being and helps employers retain caregivers. Over 3,500 parents have participated since March of 2020 in the Mom's Hierarchy of Needs research study. That's amazing. The longest running of its kind about the pandemic's ongoing impact to work, life, care, and wellness needs for parents. Leslie has used research to inform growth and innovation strategy for over 20 years, and she's a frequent speaker and consultant to organizations on how to retain and support parents, caregivers, and people of color, including HubSpot, Merck, Scholastic, and the Barr Foundation. Her writing about well-being, equity, and the future of work has appeared in the Washington Post, Slate, Parents Magazine, TLNT, Directorship, and her website, Mom's Hierarchy of Needs, among other publications. She's been quoted in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, CNN, National Geographic, Fast Company, U.S. News and World Report, SHRM, SHRM, and many other outlets. Her mission, well, I should say her research goes deep into how we as women, parents, can make time for self-care, protect time for our mental health and physical health, manage to grow in our professional lives, set boundaries with ruthless abandon to manage priorities. I love that. Welcome, Leslie. How are you today? Thank you. I am honored to be here. I'm thrilled. This is exactly where I want to be. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so excited to speak with you because I know there's so much work and as you said, so much research and I feel like we can probably talk for a very long time about the different work and stuff that you do, but let's dive into it. I always love to ask my guests what's their favorite book or one that they would like to recommend. Some people give a fiction and a nonfiction. Some people give something that has made an impact, but I think it's important to share the resources. So that's why I always ask and like to ask that question. There's so many. Yes. One that may sound a little bit, it, it, it might not be intuitive, but it was really an important book for me was Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And he used to be an FBI hostage negotiator. And so he takes this approach to negotiation that comes from that lens. And there are really interesting and important things about negotiating with others, which of course affects everything we do in our personal professional lives. And it's in some cases counterintuitive. It's not information I had seen before, heard before, learned before, despite many years of corporate experience and a lot of time spent negotiating. So that one is a, it's a winner and you will pull something from it that you will find useful in your real life. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Okay, let's jump into it. So mom's hierarchy of needs, the research that you've done, can you share maybe your personal journey into creating that and why you're so passionate and so mission focused on supporting working moms, working dads and working parents in totality? Absolutely. Well, after my return to work from my second maternity leave, which was now just over nine years ago, I completely crashed. 
And I didn't see it coming. I had taken on a pretty you know, sizable promotion while I was pregnant. I went from managing one department to two departments. But at the time, I was assured I'd have everything that I needed and that they had my back. It would not be an issue. <laughs> but in the 12 weeks I was away, it was like the whole world had changed at my then employer. We went from focusing on top line revenue to bottom line profitability. We had gone public not that long before. And within a few months of returning, several members from one area of my team all had to go out on FMLA leave. And it was really unplanned and random reasons. And because of the company wanting to kind of show a new level of profitability, we couldn't backfill anybody. I couldn't hire for any of my open recs. So it was like being in a new job. Sure. I was being asked to bring my most strategic and clear thinking self to these problems. But I was sleeping in 90 minute increments. I had a newborn and a toddler. I was drained. <laughs> there were a lot of days that I drove to the office and raced through the parking garage, raced up to the mother's room and then realized I had left the breast pump at home. Oh, I've been and there. I had to drive all the way back. And I became a hollowed out, crazy zombie person. I was like a shell of my former self. So the job became unsustainable. And even though I was a vice president in a public company, I felt too vulnerable to raise my hand and ask for help to explain that I was really having difficulties. And at the time, I felt so isolated, like I must be the only person who didn't know how to do this. And I later learned through the research studies and through a lot of conversations with experts that it's quite common. But this ability to integrate work and life is really core to our humanity. It's core to our economic stability. And it's core to a lot of our strength, as especially, I think, as women who are still marginalized in leadership roles in society. No, and so many, there's so many things to unpack there. You and I have spoken before. I was very honored to be featured in your blog, which was a, a fantastic piece. I loved it. So you and I have, there's a lot of similar parallels with that of being VP positions. Mine was in a private company, so I felt like, and maybe it's still similar. I felt like in private companies, they can kind of do what they want because it's behind closed doors to some degree. And that's a really good way of putting it because, you know, it's like, everyone is doing 10 million jobs and but very similar to you I felt like I just didn't know how to be vulnerable to ask for help I did not know how to say this and I am struggling and I just need some help I don't know why this is coming up for me but I had spoken with a woman who was a law attorney and she actually just became partner at the law firm but they implemented in her law firm because I mean we lawyers very a lot of work a lot of demanding right hours all the things long High story short Oh my gosh, yes. High priority, like all the things, fires putting out. And when anyone would go out on maternity leave, they would implement, and I'm sure I'll say it wrong, but let's say like it's a 30 rule or something like basically when you're about to go on maternity leave to where instead of it's like all or nothing, it's like, okay, they're going to break it up and say, okay, they'll do a game plan and say, all right, you're going to be out in maybe like the next 30, 60 days. So let's break that down. But on the off, set of that, then bringing them back in saying, okay, we know that you might be at like 40% capacity now. And then they go maybe up to like 60, 80, and then a hundred. And I'm kind of paraphrasing there, but that I thought it was 
genius. And I'm like, what? And she's like, and this is like a major law firm. But they saw the need for, they saw the need to implement that because they knew what working parents needed. So my next question to you is, self-care often takes a backseat for working mothers and even working parents. I don't want to eliminate the dads because I think this generation of dads are really trying to struggle and find their way to right and manage Mm -hmm. their priorities and also be a hands-on dad definitely different generation than I show our parents you know and my even my own father what are some practical and manageable self-care strategies that you recommend for busy moms and that you even talk with mom's hierarchy of needs I'm obviously going to give you a chance to even talk about what that is in totality but I want you to share you know some resources and things that that are really manageable that a working overwhelmed parent working parent can take with them 100% there's so many things that we can do that are accessible and allow you to kind of ease into reclaiming more time for self-care in a way that really works for your life. Because as you know, in different seasons, based on what's happening in your career, based on what's happening in the world, based on what's happening with our kids, your availability is going to change. So what I recommend is first taking a look at your calendar, because really that's, that's like, that's where it all begins and ends. Inevitably, we are being held to these blocks between Monday and Friday, and even the blocks that are taken up on the weekend, and figure out what is your ideal schedule. There's a concept about this, and if you were to research it and just take a look at ideal schedule, there's lots of writing about it. But when I started to realize how I wanted to ideally start each day with some amount of self-care, with reflection, meditation, deep breathing... It can even be five or 10 minutes. It can allow yourself a little bit of room to start your day in a way that's intentional. And ideally at the end of the day, to save a little room, to end and wind down and debrief from the day, Sure. write down things that you want to accomplish the next day in a way that's intentional. I also wanted to set out a block for my movement, which for me is really critical. And for a lot of people, it helps refresh you, reset you, and in so many ways, physically and mentally. So knowing that I wanted to be able to do that in the mornings meant that most of the time, even when I was still in corporate life, I didn't, unless it was with someone overseas, I generally did not take meetings before 10 a.m. Because I knew that that was prime time with getting the kids to school or getting the kids, you know, settled in the morning. It was also the time that I wanted to have that space and that freedom to be able to do my workout. In my case, it's a run right before the day started. Sure. And I wanted to have time for deep work. So whether it's your movement or your meditation or your deep work, like look at those blocks of time each day that you can claim and just put a repeating block on your calendar. And you will be surprised how often you will be able to keep that block protected. That is the first step, making some space for something that you find really important instead of trying to you know, find that time at the sure. end of the day. I love that. And I love basically you're like assess. I think sometimes, especially as working parents, we're on autopilot mm-hmm. and listen from the administrative position to the upper level VP position that you and I have both held, I think to your point, like it's just reassessing, but we're always going, going. 
And I know a busy mom listening could be like, what do you mean you want me to reassess? I don't even have the time to do that. You're, you know, allowing you to like look at the calendar, stop and say, listen, you, you'll be able to find, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is to bring in for yourself, which makes a big difference. So thank you for 100%. sharing that. It's kind of like start with reassessing instead of you just going, like just pause, <laughs> pause right. like before bed. Well, if you wait for the time to materialize, like there's no more discretionary time. Yeah. It won't magically appear. There is no yes. done at the end of the day. Like it will be filled with hundreds of things that you need to do. So if you start from this, from the place of, Hey, here's the spots in my calendar that are really critical to me. Yeah. And then you're intentional about changing that if you need to. But the default is to allow yourself the time first instead of looking for it where it doesn't exist, right? Which is, of course, at the end of the day, when you're exhausted. No, for sure. That's you're, you're saving yourself for last. And I love that because mm -hmm. basically you're like, if you don't set that intention and try and, and not try, but actually do it, then you're allowing other people to set their priorities right on top of what you're trying to do like that's so true because we know it's just not going to happen and I laughed chuckled inside when you said like we know different seasons is like I was telling you my son has groups so like this whole week I wanted to get the questions to you before like I've been like a pile of like mush because he's like mommy I need you can you be with me how can I say no mm. to that and I'm very thankful I have the flexibility to do that now I don't think I would have before you know so it's like at any given moment with children anything can be like go left or right but we still need to make that time for self-care. And when he was napping yesterday, I was like, let me go for a walk because I just needed to get out the house. But I love that. So thank you for, for pointing that out. So setting boundaries, though, can be challenging, right? We know that. Mm -hmm. And I know some of the work that you do. And, and actually, let's tap into that. Let me talk about, let's, let's talk about some of the research that you've done Absolutely. and what led to really the creation of Mom's Hierarchy of Needs, because I think it'll blend together. But so... Going back to the initial question I asked of like your journey into this and you recognizing that there was a need from your own personal journey into this, into motherhood, into working parenthood, which is a whole different thing. I also think it's different because being in a corporate leadership position, I was like, oh, I have motherhood. I have parenthood. Like, this is going to be easy. I've managed people. And we very much know that that has nothing to do with the other. When did it formulate to say, I'm going to create this company? And when did it formulate to call it mom's hierarchy of needs? And what does that mean to you? And then formulate it with all the research that you've done. I know that's a loaded question, but oh, like, how did absolutely. it kind of formulate together to create to where you are today? That's a great question. It was very iterative. It wasn't as if I had this plan that I was going to kind of come up with this concept and launch yes. the company and I was going to roll it out in a certain way. It didn't come to me that way. I was having a conversation with a founder who had asked me to do some advisory work for his mental health startup. And we just started talking about stress because the product was a wearable device to manage stress. And through that company, I got to do some incredible research. And I spoke to all these neuroscientists and doctors and sure. physicians. And But before I did that, I kind of said, you know what, I'll tell you why. Because he said, moms are, why are moms so stressed? Mm. And I said, well, there's <laughs> Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And then there's mom's hierarchy of needs. It just came out of my mouth. And as soon as I said it, I felt something mm. like just the idea of it. And all day after having that conversation, I just thought, what would it look like? What would it look like for other moms? I quickly drew it on a little piece of paper. And then that night, I turned it into a PowerPoint. 
And then I was curious, well, would this resonate with other moms? And I, as a researcher, which is how I started my career and which is how I solve most problems in my professional life. Sure. I put it out there to a few people and about 150 moms later, I received input that allowed me to refine it a little bit. And it still looks a lot like it does now, which is basically that all of the things we would do for our mental, physical, and emotional health, which are way up at the tippy tippy top, right? Self-care, which in my world is sleep, <laughs> it's <laughs> movement, it's yeah. stress management, it is not yeah. spa days, right? It's, yeah. it's those basic things for our health. Yeah, It's interest and learning and development and fun and healthy adult relationships. All those things that kind of go by the wayside in many cases after we have kids, those things at the top, the reason we keep pushing them off is because the bottom two thirds are the things that we really prioritize and cherish. Mm. And there are children's milestones, their well-being, their activities, their education. Then the next layer is our household responsibilities, all the things that we are responsible yes. for there. And then the layer after that is professional role. And what all of those bottom two thirds categories have in common, in addition to the fact that we prioritize them, they're never done. Wow. And that was my lightning bulb moment. I realized that even if I spent 24 seven trying to do all the things at the bottom two thirds, that it still couldn't be done. When is children's well-being done? It's never done. Never done. Household, the minute you do something in your household, the minute later it is like unraveled, right? Cleaning's never done. Planning's laundry. never done. Scheduling appointments, laun laundry, Girl. my nemesis, right? Those things are <laughs> never done. So it, but it freed me to think about the things at the top differently, that I would have to be ruthless about making the time because no one else was going to make it for me. It, it wasn't as if the bottom two thirds would magically be done because sure. that's how we're conditioned. So it changed things. And in all of my studies, I really ask parents to assess how am I doing in these roles? How do I feel about my level of efficacy in each of these roles? Where do I really wish that I could spend more time? What are the barriers that are getting in the way? What is helping me right now in the workplace? Mm. And what is harming me right now in the workplace? Sure. And looking at that over time has kind of allowed me to really share an in-depth view, not the, not the dressed up view of self-care and that, oh, well, just you know, wake up a little earlier, tap yes. into that willpower, because we know yes. that's not it. Yes. It's much deeper than that. Can you share if I were to join the community? Um, and yeah, I guess, yeah, is it a community resources that you provide? And if I were someone who joined Moms Hierarchy of Needs, what would I get out of it? And what are some takeaways um, and actionable items that I would be able to take away to really, really invest in? And I love how you said kind of like the personal development of it. At the summit I had, one of the quotes I mentioned that was really important to me because it kind of clicked was like, we spend so much money on development for our careers, development for our education, but when it comes to arguably the hardest job that we have to do, which is raise humans in a world that we're not really equipped to do because there's no manual, how do we, you know, we don't really invest in ourselves. So talk to me about where mom's hierarchy of needs fits into that and what, what I would gain if I'm a member joining. Absolutely. Well, 
I'll first say that health for moms is my ministry. Mm. <laughs> and overwhelmingly, there's so much on the website. 90% of what's there is completely free. <laughs> um, I do a ton of research, writing, and sharing of what I've learned. So everyone can access it. I have an app called Time Check that allows you to really track your well-being time mm. and get a personalized readout of where you're spending your time, how you could make more time for some of the things at the top of the hierarchy, what are some of the challenges at the bottom two-thirds. And the even and the free version is fantastic. Like people love it. The membership allows for a community where we are a group that support each other. It's a, always a judgment-free very sure. compassionate zone. We meet once a month and we really kind of dive deep around some topic. Like I'll put out a prompt usually the week before to say, Hey, here's something that's on my mind. Like this week, actually tomorrow we're meeting and the topic is about how do you level up your support network? Mm. Whether it's in your personal life, in your professional life, what do you need right now? How do you know that what you need is different from what the, what you have? And as your life changes, how do you keep upgrading with your networks in ways that will help you? And that's sure. the topic. So we kind of go around the Zoom room and have kind of a deep dive discussion and problem solve for each other. I also have a set of time-saving guides. Like it's a like a three-pager on when do you volunteer your time and when mm. do you say no? And what are some helpful scripts so that you can gracefully say no? And what are the considerations to determine if volunteering your time, because everybody asks us to volunteer our time <laughs> yes. as women. Everybody thinks our time is just like this fountain and it is inevitable that we yes. overcommit and undercommit to ourselves. So I have guides like that, how to make energetic space. And by energetic space for me, it's looking at your ideal calendar, mm -hmm. figuring out what your priorities are, and finding space where you have the energy, which means it's not at 11 o'clock at night. Yes. It's when you have the energy, when you have the childcare, and when you can block out at least 90 minutes. And how do you do that for yourself? So it's practical time-saving systems that really work in our lives and allow us to grow and also having some safe space, supportive discussions. And then there's a premium version of the app so you can set goals. And that's it. the only difference in the paid version. So. I love that. And my next question to you is, do you have to be a working parent or working mom to join or can it be for anyone? Oh, well, you have to be a mom. Oh. <laughs> um, you have to be a mom because in this particular way in life around self-care and professional growth, there's still an uneven experience for women. Yes. Um, women cannot set boundaries in the workplace in the same way as men in most mm -hmm. cases. We are still responsible overwhelmingly for two thirds of the childcare. Sorry. Yes. We are twice, we do twice as much childcare, twice as much yes. household work across every study that happens globally, not just mine. And so the strategies are different. But in the workplace, when I'm advocating with employers and working with my clients, it's, it's gender neutral. But in this community, it really is for moms. And whether they are in or out of the paid workforce, managing time for their health, for their priorities, and abandoning the long list of I should sure. um, is what we focus on. So there are moms in the community who 
are in transition, trying to figure out their next moves career-wise, or taking a one, one mom I'm thinking of in particular is just taking a, like a pause and a very intentional pause so that she can enjoy space with her kids, be involved in her community more, and just really reflect and refresh on what she wants to do in her career next. I love that. I think it's such important work. I don't know. We have so much further to go, (laughs) you know, Um, Mm -hmm. I I think, do you want to talk a little, let me know, because I know you do stuff in working with organizations. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Or do you want to talk strictly on mom's hierarchy of needs? Sure. No, I'm happy to talk about that because it's part of the answer. Yeah. So talk to me about how you bridge that gap and what, you know what, I guess my question for you specifically would be, what do you think? (laughs) This is probably a loaded question and probably not just tied to one answer, but what are, what is needed in the workplace? What, what is needed? You know, what are, what could we start with? I guess I'm a business owner and I'm starting out and I'm about to hire, right? I'm about to hire my team my first, you know, kind of set of full team. And here we go. They're working parents, moms, dads. And I'm like, Ooh, what would you say to that business owner who's looking to start of these are things you should implement. These are things that you should do to really foster a collaborative environment for your working mm-hmm. parents, as well as running a successful business. Let's, why don't we start there? I think that's good. A hundred percent. So On the allies at work side of my business, most of the advice, recommendations, whether I'm speaking or training or running programs Mm -hmm. in a workplace, kind of center around four pillars. Mm -hmm. And the first is creating psychological safety and being the type of leader that where you yourself are vulnerable. Sure. And by you being vulnerable, you are creating that permission for other people on your team to be vulnerable. I tell managers that when you do your check-ins and you have to do one-on-one check-ins, a lot of leaders get really busy and they abandon them and they'll do group Mm, meetings instead. But you know what? If that parent isn't getting enough sleep or if that parent has a health condition that they are managing and navigating and they need some flexibility and support, or if that person has an aging parent who really needs their help, they're never going to tell you that in a group meeting. You need that one-on-one space. And I encourage leaders to ask before you even start with the agenda and the business of the day, how are you doing? Yes. How's everything going? And just at a really personal level, check in with people every week and talk to them and create that psychologically safe space for them to make mistakes, for them to be human, for them to have needs. The second pillar is flexibility. And to me, that does not just mean working from home. Yes. Working from home now is table stakes in many industries, although not every career path allows for that. But flexibility in expectations in my study. I love that. that There was a time in the study, I think now it's back to wanting a raise and subsidized childcare, but there was a time when flexible expectations was rating higher than a raise. People wanted that more than they wanted money. But creating the ability for people to change the goalpost. So if you say to someone, you know what, even though we're facing record inflation, our marketplace has changed, our competitors have changed, but I want you to deliver the same financial results. Oh, and by the way, your team's been cut in half, but I want you to deliver the same. 
you're setting them up for not only a huge amount of emotional distress, you're setting them up for failure. So working around your conditions, resetting expectations, navigating that when people leave or people out or people need to take leave, how to reorganize your priorities as a team and reorganize workload on the fly. And flexibility also means, I think, location flexibility, hours flexibility, all the ways that you can be flexible. The third is child care and elder care, ideally subsidizing, curating, and destigmatizing it. Sure. Because people are struggling to find care resources. There's a huge child care crisis in this country. And a lot of people, even when they can afford it, cannot find it. So I encourage employers to create structures that allow people to have that support. And then the fourth is mental health care. Pretty early in the study, which now the one that you referenced earlier that has over 3,500 parents, it was obvious that people needed a huge amount of professional mental health support, a huge amount of personal space so they could process their own feelings and emotions and navigate difficulties with what's happening in the world and what's happening in their jobs. So no one does well. (laughs) The company doesn't do well. The family doesn't do well. We don't do well if we are not feeling stable and mentally strong and healthy. And organizations can pay for that. And they can create the space for it. They can allow people to go for appointments. They can provide resources. So those are the basics. And I tell leaders all the time that just like a palm tree, because my family's from Barbados, as we've discussed, (laughs) if I plant that palm tree here in Boston, it's going to die, right? It's not going to survive. Yes. But it has to be in a support in Barbados, it's going to flourish. So the same thing for us, if we are planted in cultures at work, or even in our own businesses that do not allow us to flourish, that don't create the supportive structures that allow us to care for our own health and well-being, then we are not going to flourish. So it's an essential part of creating the kind of work life that we all deserve. I love that. And I love what stuck out was really the flexibility. And I love how you said not with time, because I think a lot of time we envision it as the flexibility of time and how many business owners I have supported, a lot of them were like startups to midsize. So they're always, I always laughed because they would always, I don't want to say make an excuse about money, but they would make an excuse about money. But I would laugh because I did their accounting work. (laughs) So I would see. Right. You knew. I knew. And I'm like, and actually, I, I think also psychologically, it was like almost a turn off for me because I'm like, come on, dude, like say something else, but not to think that it's that, you know, because like I'm seeing that you can, you know, and I would even offer truthfully to some of these business owners, like, look, I'll do a breakdown so you can see, like, you might think that this is going to cost you maybe X amount of dollars when really not. And furthermore, to your point, not everyone wants the, not everyone's thinking of dollars. Not everyone wants the big bonuses. Yes, they would be nice. But I'm like, talk one-on-one with that particular employee and find out what their needs are. Maybe they just want some extra motivation. Maybe to your point, the flexibility and not just time, but the flexibility to say, listen, I had a, I had a crazy morning with my kid and I should be able to feel safe to come into a space and say, listen, you guys, I've, as, as a friend of mine says, lived eight lives this morning before 8 a.m. And you have to give me like, let me, let me kind of come down from that before I, we jump right into it. There has 100%. to be flexibility for that. So that stuck with me because, yeah, we've talked about the mental health and listen, I'm, it's kind of crazy that we're still just like normalizing this now, but 
the flexibility to kind of have that, I think is key. So I love that because to your earlier point, it does go hand in hand because the moms could be investing in doing all the things that they can for themselves. But if the organization isn't backing that up, then what are we doing? A hundred percent. If you get the hairy eyeball when you have to leave a Zoom early to pick up your kids, yes, then all then all bets are off. It doesn't yes. matter how self-empowered you are. It doesn't matter how excellent you yes. are at setting boundaries. If you're not in env- an environment that's respectful of them, you can't win that way. And the organization won't win. And I tell leaders, just as we kind of talk sure. about this piece, like, you're going to pay one way or the other. Like, you can cleanly put child care, elder care, mental yes. health on your P&L, or you can pay in absenteeism, lost productivity. You can pay on the back end, or you can pay on your P&L. And yes. you get to decide, but you're going to pay either way. <laughs> Or pay out of the wazoo to replace that employee once they've oh, had it up to here. That's that's a huge one. It's a third of someone's salary conservatively to replace them. So, so that is the other huge cost to employers. And I never understood that because I, I am big and I'm, and I'm very vocal about it because I always say I was an accidental entrepreneur. I did not want to start a business. Mother, the Motherhood Village started from a thing and maybe it would have eventually evolved. But my other NGC consulting started because I, I was part of the great resignation, but it was almost forced. Like I had my hand forced to me to where I was like, am I going to continue to not get the flexibility and for my employer to be adaptable? when I am doing it on my end. So I'm like, let me get this straight. I am giving you 110% working when I need to working on the weekends. But when I'm asking for some flexibility, and in my case, it was some time because my son's school closed due to COVID. I'm getting the, well, I don't know. I'm like, where is the, wait a minute. Where, where? I'm like, no. And I remember just vividly looking at my husband, like something's got to give because I've worked too hard to get to this level to continue to have to get the hairy eyed because to your point, it does do something psychologically where I'm like, well, you know what? Now I've tapped out and now you've taken an employee who is hard worker. I can, I can multitask, even though they say not to, but I've worked in a lot of different industries. So I come with a lot of great skill sets that are, that are hard to replace. I'll own that. I know that. You want to you want to let that go because of whatever that and I don't know and maybe even in your research maybe you know like that old school mindset shift to think like oh but if I'm this and then this and I'm like no what part of you would you think I'm going to take advantage of that when I've shown you that I'm a dedicated caring employee like why does it take for me to leave for you to now do it to do something about it hundred percent I mean I see this in the data all the time people want to be excellent at everything people will break themselves in half trying to yes. deliver at, yes. at work and they'll do so to their own detriment, to the detriment of their own health, to the detriment of their family time, to the detriment of their sanity for a period of time, right? Yes. Until that switch turns and they realize that it's not sustainable or not worth yes. it because usually something will force that reconciliation, whether it's a break in the health, a break in yes. a marriage, a break in your, you know, your your well-being, your emotional mm-hmm. stability, something will change and you will have to determine if you're getting that return on your investment of time. Yes. And organizations can't unilaterally take all the flexibility for the organization and not give any back to the worker. That ship has sailed. But for many years and for my probably entire corporate career, the majority of it, 
that was the expectation, right? An organization could tell you, well, guess what? We're moving to Texas. So pack your bags or you're out of a job. That was how it worked. But it is changing. But for women in particular, who are more likely to be pushed out of traditional work, more likely to lose their lose their opportunities yes because of caregiving it's essential to fix this yes and that'll actually that's a great segue in some to my next question which is how do you see the future of work-life balance how can communities obviously organizations like yours even i would say organizations like mine that are propelling the conversations for allowing this to happen obviously i'm a big employee advocate because i was that employee that wanted the support and i just never got it after having my my son how do you see the 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 evolution of the work-life balance of this self-care how do you see that evolving and what do you think will happen in terms of the support and the resources or what should happen you know what do you for that future just like work paid work has like filtered into every crevice of our schedules it is no longer relegated between the hours of nine and five Mm. self-care has to be able to happen during the workday too people need to be able to take breaks in their schedules yes not just a break to eat lunch not just a break to go to the doctor or to take um, a breath, people need to be able to fit in. If they want to run during the day and get in their workout yes. or, or take an extra long nap or be able to start the day late or whatever needs to happen, that's what has to happen now. Like self-care needs to be embedded in the culture. It needs yes. to be supported within the workday because most workers are working outside of the workday. They're thinking about work, they're planning about work, they're prioritizing their work, their emails are going off, their messages are going off, and they're being responsive. So employers have to be responsive too to people's personal needs. I think that wellness and employee health needs to be an important stakeholder in every financial and business decision. You can't make the decision to help the company make money at the expense of the employees, Mm. because that extractive way of leading has cost everyone, right? It's cost us for a long time. So those are the types of things that I really see changing. And I see that, you know, as, as workers, especially if we're talking about parents and caregivers, which by the way, is going to be most people by a certain stage of their lives, the care is an accepted celebrated and integrated part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And that if suddenly you have an aging parent who really needs you and you need to, you know, take a pause in your paid work, or you need to go and spend time with them or work from a different location or do any of the things that you need to do. Because I also explained that elder care is even more emotional, complicated and expensive than childcare, that people need to be able to do that. And if you want to bring your child in to the workplace, if you have to be in a physical workplace or if your child pops up on the Zoom, or frankly, if you want to find community within your company of Mm -hmm. other people who are navigating similar things, I see the future as allowing all of that to happen very seamlessly. And people will do better. And when people are doing better, organizations also do better. I love that. And I do. I I hope so. And I I think so. I think 
I think truthfully, a lot of the Gen Zers are very, uh, they're large advocates for that. We see that. I remember the, um, the last employer that I actually had, I remember specifically having a conversation with her and I was like, listen, not everyone is motivated by money and you're going to see more and more people, you know, that people will make do and do what they have to do. I know I was one of them. I always had in the back of my mind, listen, if I have to work at McDonald's to pay my bills, I'll work at McDonald's to pay my bills. I know we've kind of talked like you just figure it out. And I was like, people are motivated by other things. They really want to work with companies that are not only saying they have the work-life balance, but really walking the walk or, you know, walking, you know, talking the talk and doing all of the things and that their actions are more than just this mission statement of saying, yes, we believe in work-life balance and flexibility. But it, but once you get on, and I think we've all been there at some point in our lives and working and they're like, hmm, this is not what I was told it would be, but truly living by those values and supporting working parents. And I love how you keep alluding to the caregiver aspect of it. I am not there yet. My parents are still, I mean, they're in their 60s. However, you know, they're not the healthiest. So I, I do have that in the back of the mind of like, geez, what is that going to look like once they're a certain age? What is the psychological aspect of that? And I think to your point, I know there isn't a lot that's even given to that aspect when it comes to a working individual that has to then take care of their parents as well as their children. <laughs> like, I don't know how exactly. my mother did that when my grandmother, who had rheumatoid arthritis, she was bedridden for most of my childhood. I don't know how my mom did that, you know, of, of taking care of each home. But it's amazing that organizations like yours are doing more to kind of spread that message. Before we kind of end here, I want you to share maybe anything else you'd like to have my listeners know about Mom's Hierarchy of Needs. Do you have any upcoming things that you want to share that are in the works? And then also share how people can connect with you. Absolutely. Well, we have usually twice a year, sometimes three times a year, a challenge that's a 30-day challenge and it's free, it's fast, it's fun. And our challenge is coming up starting November 1st. So oh, depending I love on when it. this airs, yes. I encourage as many moms as possible to participate in the challenge because it's an opportunity to really have intention around your self-care time. Okay. And lots of support from me via email, via video, and by a time it. check app to track your well-being time and be intentional about it during what is inevitably for all of us, the busiest season over the holiday season. Ooh, and yes. it's, a, it's a, just a tough time for moms. I think the other piece of advice that I would recommend to people is to remember the top of the hierarchy, the things that you do for your mental, physical, and emotional yes. health. No one will make the time for you. No one will set the boundaries for you. Even your loving family, as much as they love you, they cannot protect your time for you. So you will have to have some conversations, if age appropriate, with your children, if you are partnered with your partner, if you yes. are working for an employer, perhaps with your employer, if it's not career limiting or career ending to do so. But you're going to have to tell people what matters to you, when something is a good time for you, when it's not, when you need space for yourself, because that that awareness and belief that you deserve it, that your time is critical, that your health is critical, is what will allow you to find the energy and the creative force to change things. So remember, even though society tells us we should be in service 24-7, it isn't good for you or your family. 
I love that. And the challenge. So it runs the whole month of November. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yes. We'll definitely get in and figure out how I can help share. And I would imagine they have to sign up through the mom's hierarchy of needs and all the things. So yes, yes, yes. I love it. Yes. Um, and all the social sites, you'll see links for it very soon if, if they're not up already. And okay, I'll happily share a link about it. Awesome. Yeah. How can everyone connect with you? Give all, I know we'll put in the show notes, but I also like to give the opportunity to, to say what platforms you're on, where people can connect with you. And then I will allow you to have your final thoughts to the listeners. Sure. I'm on most of the social places, either moms underscore hierarchy underscore of underscore needs on Instagram, moms hierarchy of needs on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter is moms hierarchy. So most of the places and the website moms hierarchy of needs.com. There's a newsletter that comes every Saturday night. That is my love letter to moms and parents. I have a, I have like 20% dads who are on the newsletter and I hear from them, which is really great. So it's always a personal story that I don't share anywhere else that tees up the theme for that week. And I'm publishing research and stories and insights from incredible moms like you, Nicole, and sharing that on a weekly basis. So please take a look. I love it. Thank you. And Leslie, yeah. So share final thoughts of like anything that if you had to, if we, if everyone like, listen, I'm not listening to the whole conversation or they didn't, and they just heard a snippet, what would be the thing that you'd want to part ways that they had to take from this conversation? Take some amount of time every single day for your self-care in whatever way you define that doesn't have to be more than five minutes if you don't have more than five minutes, but it has to be daily and it has to be intentional. And you have to think of your health as your number one priority. I love it. Thank you so much, Leslie, for coming on, for having such an awesome, insightful look on how to support working parents for the research that you've done and for the work that you do. Thank you and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. I'm so grateful and appreciate you inviting me here. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.